Of course, the crowd wants Reed to go for it. Wouldn't be surprised if he did on fourth down and one. So, anyways, with that, time jerks. Welcome to Fourth and One. I'm Todd Palmer, joined by Nick Jacobs for a special pre-draft edition, Nick, uh, of the uh, the old Fourth and One podcast here. Um, you seem to get offended when I referred to this as Nerd Christmas uh, in the last episode. As I um, rightfully should. You but, just said it again. I mean, how much time have you spent looking at film of draft prospects as you put together your big board, um, which people can probably find on Twitter at this point if they're looking for the 2022 version? Um, and how much time have you spent like agonizing over where to slot some, you know, fifth round running backs? Look, I may have started doing the draft stuff unofficially in February at some point, um, maybe early February. I just don't like to tell people because then they start asking questions and then you get a lot of hypothetical questions for two months and that burns me out on that. So by this point, if I hadn't, um, if I had let people know I'd been watching tape, like it would have turned into one of those things where you know, I've gone through so many hypotheticals and my brain's burned out by it, but that won't be the case, Todd. I've learned over the decade of how to approach it. Um, so yeah, no, I mean, that's luckily I'm done looking at everything that I wanted to look at. And like you said, the draft board will be out on, on Tuesday, depending on when you're listening to this. So that'll be out there. I know Brett Beach said he had 194, I think when I count mine up, it's like 198, 199. So no, and I, I'm kind of counting pro- your time on four of them. No, no. I mean, because there may be some people that they, that they have that I don't have and no exist right now because they have a they have a whole scouting department. This is what I'm going to say. Like, I, I have a lot of respect for the people that put in the work that they do for it and watch the tape that they do and put in the time and effort into it, no matter, you know, whether I agree with what they're saying or not, because that's a lot of time, dedication and effort to do that much of it. And another part of it that I want to let people know is like, you know, a lot of people expect people that talk about football on Twitter or on, on TV or whatever, they expect that person to be the, like a capologist expert of the team. They expect them to be like a pro personnel or pro scout expert. They expect them to be like a general manager type expert, expect them to be like an agent contract type expert. And then they expect them to kind of be able to do what a probably 20 to 30 person personnel department (laughs) does and gets paid to do. And then they're like, well, you didn't have such and such on the board because I'm one person like they have like 25, 30 people that have been following the guy's career for like four years. And that's another part that I'm a ran about here real quick is like we're for me personally with the board I put together I'm just going purely based off what I see on tape like I mean there's probably care there's going to be character issues for some guys that are going to go off people's boards that I don't know about right now but I'll find out after I get drafted because those come to light pretty quick afterwards um and then you know and then there's certain testing numbers that I don't have access to or certain baseline numbers that teams like I don't have I don't have access to teams, psychological evaluations on players, their mental testing that they do on players and their mental quickness that some teams have tests on. So, I mean, I don't have, you know, I don't have access to a lot of stuff. So like whenever I'm putting this puzzle together, I'm putting together one of the seven pieces that most teams have, if not more, you know, and like I said, they've dedicated two to three years of this. I just dedicated two months to it. So, I mean, like, you know, I'm going to be wrong. I've accepted I'm going to be wrong. I just have I just have fun doing the challenge of doing it with, you know, with a lot less factors that I have to put into it. Well, and, and the other thing to keep in mind is it's a little bit like weather forecasting. Um, and like, so for example, the Kansas City area, like the official temperature is kept at KCI and has been for decades. But the temperature in Blue Springs, Olathe, you know, uh, Liberty, I mean, Liberty's pretty close to the airport, but, um, you know, Harrisonville on a given day, there could be a range, right? Like everybody's looking at the same basic set of factors, but everybody's going to, uh, everybody's also, every team's going to view that and value different things differently. And there may be some teams that because of positional needs, a guy doesn't have to necessarily be able to process things super fast. Like, you know, if, if you play a strictly man coverage scheme, you know, and your job as a cornerback is just to run with the other dude. You're going to prioritize athleticism, length, certain physical attributes over anything. If, however, you're like Steve Spagnolo, and you're going to ask the guy to, yes, play some press man, but also sometimes drop back and pattern match and play some zone concepts, 
he'd better be able to process things at a level that a guy who is strictly um, an, an athletic freak is not going to. So every team is going to, their draft board is going to look different. I, look, there are guys like, whether it's Joey Bosa or, you know, or Patrick Mahomes. Well, Patrick may not even be a great, but Trevor Lawrence is probably a good example. Um, or Aiden Hutchison this year, you know, Trevon Walker out of Georgia. Those guys are first round picks and they're at the top, but they may be the number one guy on a team's board. They may be the number eight on another team's board. And then, like you said, there may be a guy that some people love that another team got, you know, some bad reports on and they don't think he'd be like a good character fit. And you'd be surprised the reasons that some guys get taken off the board, um, you know, for, by some teams, um, you know, I mean, you know, the USFL cut a guy for getting pizza instead of chicken salad, which I don't think the NFL goes quite that crazy, but we've all heard the stories of questions that guys get asked during the draft process or, or things they get asked to do during the draft process. So, um, you know, there's going to be some inanity out there. I just want to say about the USFL guy, I got a feel, I got a feeling they were just looking for a reason to cut him. <laughs> so once they had it, that's what they did. Right. Right. Well, and there's, you know, I mean, you never know. I mean, you know, I mean, I don't know who Delaware's big rival was, but I'm sure that Brett Veach has a little animosity toward, let's say Delaware state, um, you know, recruits, and maybe they get bumped down around in his, in his book. I doubt it because he's trying to. There's a there's a great prospect out of there. I don't think Brett Beach cares where they come from, as long as they can help him win. That's probably true. Uh, I'm going to stick with my theory, though. Um, I'm sure you will. You will stick with your theory till the end of time. All right. So look, the Chiefs um, are loaded. They've got three picks in the top 50, which is good. Uh, they've got eight picks in the top 135, which is good. Um, if you need a rundown, they've got two in each of the first four rounds. So 29 and 30 in the first round, 50, 62 in the second round, 94, 103 in the third round, 121, 135 in the fourth. There's a lot of opportunities there to add some talent to this roster. Uh, you know, if you want our thoughts on where, you know, secondary wide receiver defensive line should go, we've got a series of podcasts we've done on that. But here's one of the more interesting questions that I think has developed. You know, Brett Veach said they have a first-round grade on 16 to 18 guys, none of them being quarterbacks, because obviously they're not looking to draft a quarterback early um, in this draft. So, um, you know, a lot of people, there's been a lot of speculation that the Chiefs may want with those first two-round picks and that, you know, the three picks in the top 50 to move up. Um, and, you know, and, and look, you and I have talked about that. I mean, you know, whether it's moving up for a Jermaine Johnson or a Jamison Will, uh, Williams, um, you know, there are, um, you know, guys that maybe you would, you know, you think the chiefs would prioritize and want to go up for in positions of need, stuff like that. I'm kind of, and take it with a grain of salt because everything guys say this time of year could be posturing for other general managers, but I'm, I, I have myself convinced at this point that the chiefs are more likely to move down than they are to move up. The reason being you take a player you like at 29. A lot of times I don't think there's the value's not there at 2930 um, that you would necessarily like because a lot of the best players that you have first round grades on are picked over. But with with Detroit unlikely to take a quarterback at number two, but having that number 32 pick from the Rams at the back end of the first round and maybe looking at a guy like a Desmond Ritter or someone there, I'm convinced that if the Chiefs are still at 2930, someone's going to call about getting a quarterback because they're going to want that fifth-year option like the Ravens did for Lamar Jackson a few years ago. And I'm convinced that the Packers at 28 or the Chiefs at 30 are going to have some options to move back, collect a couple other picks. If you had to pick which one, do you think the Chiefs are moving up, moving down, or maybe standing pat in this draft? Um, I think the Chiefs, if there's an impact guy that falls in that 10 to 10 to 20 range. If there's a guy that they really like in between the 10 to 20 range, I personally think Breveach going to trade up and go strike and go get that person. I think he's going to keep the other first round pick though. And the reason I say that is because I think he'll be able to maneuver that back to maybe pick up some of those picks that they lose that they would have to utilize to move up for if that'd be in the one of the seconds or one of the thirds or one of the fourths. Like I just, I think that, I think he's going to maneuver that way to where he's going to get he's going to get some of those top top 100 picks back if he has to move up aggressively. 
Yeah, and, and I've gone through early in the process. I thought twelve to the Vikings was about the highest that they could realistically go without giving up too much in terms of draft capital. Honestly, at this point, like I, I don't see them moving up unless it's 18 or lower. Like I think if one of those 16 to 18 guys, they have a first round grade on fall to 18 or lower, I could see them moving up. I, I just, with, with the needs that they have and, and with the long-term, um, you know, with how they're trying to maneuver around long-term to try to keep talents around Patrick Mahomes, I just, I don't think they're going to give up, like you said, a lot of draft capital. So unless there is a, a secondary move that allows them, like you said, to recoup some more dart throws in that, in those first three, four rounds, I don't see them going up too high. Cause I think the cost would be prohibitive. Yeah. So like, I'll, I'll lay it out here right now for like number 10 with the jets. I think if they take Jamison Williams, then, you know, and depending where Jer- Jeremiah Johnson's at, like if he starts to sneak past there at 11, if either one of those guys sneak past a 10 there, I mean, I wouldn't be stunned if the chiefs didn't have something worked out with Washington or Minnesota. Um, Cause I think whatever the chiefs may be targeting, I think you're gonna have to be, I think it's gonna have to be at 11 with Washington 12 with the Vikings or try to see if they can work something out with the Eagles at 15 um, cause I think that, I think if it's Williams, the chiefs are going to have to, I think the chiefs are going to have to get in front of the saints, um, who are at 16, if there's something that they want, but they're gonna have to wait till that, till that moment, you know, when they're on the board, like they did with Mahomes to, with the bills. So I think that'll, that'll be the quick strike there in that regard. And, you know, if the Eagles trading one of theirs away, they still got the other two saints still got two. I just don't think, I don't think the chiefs are going to be trading with the saints personally. And I think if there's a receiver the chiefs want, or if there was an offensive lineman, the chiefs wanted, I think they would have to get above the chargers at 17. Cause I think they have similar philosophies. I think the saints have similar philosophies. So that's why I think the Eagles at 15 would kind of be in that realm. I think if it's more of a defensive style of player you know, maybe high twenties is where they could move up a little bit if they need to. Yeah. And the Eagles have a lot of picks. They also have two first round picks. They've got a lot of flexibility and, you know, the saints and Eagles already did kind of a swap of some first round picks. So I feel like they've already done some maneuvering and maybe have a plan in place, which is why I worry that like, if you're banking on the Eagles, um, they may not want to trade with you. And if you're banking on the saints, um, they may be eyeing Jamison Winston or Jamison Williams. So they're probably not going to be thrilled at the idea of, trading with the chiefs who, you know, are going to come up and take the guy they wanted. So, right. Well, and here's the other thing I'll tell people is most teams at this time, this is kind of what they're working on this week to where they're they're As I know, I can't remember. If, I don't remember who, who said it, but I know one of the former GMs that said at one point that like, you're kind of being a salesperson the week of the draft. So you're kind of where you're kind of like, you're reaching out to each team and seeing who's willing to move back, what it would take for them to move back. And you're kind of working on those deals this week. So if that time comes just like the chiefs did with the Mahomes, they already had that worked out with, uh, with the bills when that time arrived and they were able to keep it quiet and sneak up to 10 and take Mahomes because the saints were after it. And from what I heard, the Cardinals were intrigued as well. So, I mean, they, you know, like they, they were able to quick strike and get up there. And then the, the saints, if I remember correctly, they traded back. I can't remember if they traded back. Somebody traded back. It may have been the saints or somebody, but they traded back once the chiefs, um, once the chiefs popped up to 10 there. So from a trade perspective, especially I think first round wise, probably, you know, in that spot, if a team's looking to move up, I think they've already had those discussions before draft night even begins. They're just waiting to see what happens on the board. Right. And I mean, look, the chiefs certainly have had those conversations, um, you know, cause you've got to be prepared in case the guy that you absolutely love, you know, starts to slide and gets into a range you're comfortable uh, going up to get you. Yeah. Like you said, you've got to be prepared um, for that possibility because this draft more than any is um, as unsettled as any, I can remember up top. I mean, I don't think, you know, there's usually a rough consensus of the top five, um, you know, 
by this point. I mean, a lot of times you already, I'm not even convinced we know whether Trayvon Walker or Aiden Hutchinson's going number one. Like, I'm not sure that. Sadly, um, I don't think the Jaguars know yet either. Right. I mean, that's the thing. Like normally, like last year, the top three picks we already knew, like I wasn't buying any of the Mac Jones smoke. I mean, I think most people knew that it was probably going to be, um, you know, Lawrence, um, Zach Wilson and Trey Lance, one, two, three. And then, and then, you know, the dominoes started to fall from there, but it wasn't hard to read those tea leaves this year. I'm not sure. I mean, at number two, I mean, is it, is it Thibodeau? I mean, if Hutchison or Trayvon Walker there, do they go that direction? Would you take sauce Gardner too? If you're the lions, I mean, there's a million options there. Like, I don't think anybody knows how this draft is going to go, which is why as far as first round philosophy, and I think the chiefs have to be in this mindset every year where they're picking. Cause they're, uh, probably going to be 25 or later almost every year with Mahomes. I think you've got to be in a best available mindset, right? Like you can't go in and say, we've got to have a defensive end. I know that defensive end is the biggest need, but if you don't trade up and you don't trade down and you're there at 29, 30 and have to pick back to back and you don't, and you have like grades on a wide receiver, a safety, a wide receiver, attack or whatever it may be, that justify picking them at 2930, but you don't on a D end. I don't have a problem with the chiefs waiting till the second round to get that D end. If they feel like they can add a, a player with more talent at a different position that meshes better with their board. I mean, do you agree with that? Or do you think positional need needs to be accounted for more than I do? Um, I think a part, I mean, at the end of the day, it's kind of like whenever the Chiefs had Priest Holmes, but they took Larry Johnson during the Carl Peterson era. I mean, if you have a, it, what's different about that versus this time is like you have the Super Bowl window right now. So, I mean, you know, you need, you've, you've left enough openings on your roster to where you need a receiver regardless. You need defensive ends regardless. You need corners regardless. You need safety regardless. And I could keep adding on this list. Yeah, right, right and like, tackle. you know, uh, yeah, right. You need it. You need an offensive tackle. Like, I mean, there, there's all these things that you need on your roster to be filled before August. And it's not that you won't get them filled. It's just, can you do them in a cost control way? And like, can you get a guy that you 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 know your coaching staff has a high enough ceiling to be able to kind of help them reach that ceiling or whatever it is? So I mean, you know, the pro- part of the problem is the Chiefs. You know, since nobody outside that organization knows their draft board, I mean, you know, people just assume because they read this one scouting report that like, oh, I can't believe the Chiefs did this because they took uh, this defensive end when he's got a third round grade on this report that I'm looking at. Well, the chiefs may have a completely different grade on that right. guy to where it's right on point. And, you know, a team is going to go out there and sell that <laughs> regardless and be like, that's the guy, that's the guy we wanted. You know, like even the saints probably said that that's the guy we wanted when they really wanted Mahomes. Um, you know, so, I mean, it, you know, it's just like, it kind of is what it is in some regards. So uh, I just, they have to, I mean, it's, it's a matter of what's going to help you win and what players can help you win, what players can help you get to the Super Bowl, both short and long-term. And, and that's where, I mean, they've, they put themselves, I feel like in a corner to where defensive end edge rushers, those they're going to have to get in this draft. Cause there's not going to be a lot of options available between now and August to make that happen without sacrificing some long-term picks. So you're going to have to upgrade there. No matter what you, whatever round it is, like you're going to need multiple picks for that. Just like you're going to need additions to the corner room. You're going to need ideally an addition to the wide receiver room. You don't need to go crazy on it, but you probably need to add some pieces, but I mean, yeah, they put themselves in the corner where defensive line corner safety, like it's, you're going to need to add some pieces just to fill out the roster, let alone have some impact people. It look draft day. It's easy to overreact to, but sometimes when you miss on a guy, it's the best thing that ever happened to you. I mean, I, I think back to the 2016 draft, a lot of people thought the chiefs were in position to get Paxton Lynch. The Broncos jumped up and took him ahead of him. Right. And if the chiefs get Lynch at 26 in 2016, maybe they're not looking to draft Patrick Mahomes a year later in 2017. I don't think there's a maybe to it. (laughs) I don't think they would have. Right. And, 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 and I mean, Paxton Lynch played five games in the NFL had four touchdowns and four interceptions and now is a burgeoning legend for the Michigan Panthers of the upstart USF, a USFL. Sometimes it's the best thing that could happen when 
when you get outmaneuvered in the draft. So I, I know the tendency is, you know, guys get locked in on somebody, but um, there's really a lot of flexibility built into this, uh, you know, and the, the, the and, final story of this draft you, won't be written for four or five years. And do you know who the Chiefs ended up taking when they didn't get Paxton? In 2016? Yeah. Well, they traded back and got Jones, right? Yep, they got Chris Jones, but Dorsey wanted to take Miles Jack, and he literally told us in the press conference right after. And he had a tone to him in the press conference when Adam Teicher asked him about it in the presser afterwards when Teicher brought up Paxton Lynch. Like, Dorsey was very short and very uh, very matter-of-fact on that one whenever that question got asked. And then and then he brought up Miles Jack and, like, what he could potentially uh, – what he liked about him. But he kind of – he tried to hint it without coming out and saying it, but it sounded like there was something medical wise that they may not have been comfortable with collectively as a, as a staff. And so, you know, that may be why they didn't take him, but for like, I, I just, I'd never heard a general manager before come out and say, well, I, I like miles Jack, you know, <laughs> like, you know, yeah. like he's still on the board. You can go get him, John, what's going on here. Yeah. So like he, he basically knew he was like, I'm not getting him tomorrow. I, I, you know? So, I mean, I might as well just say what I wanted to do and put it on record now. And then, I mean, they ended up getting Chris Jones and that turned out well, cause that's, that's pretty much been their pass rush for a couple of years now. So, I mean, yeah, that ended up working out years. for him. Hey, yeah. Chris Jones has more sacks than miles Jack in his career. So, <laughs> Well, I'd hope so, given the <laughs> two different positions. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, let's dive into um, you and I both put out seven round mock drafts for the Chiefs. Um, Before I forget, I don't know if um, I don't know if my John Dorsey sounds more like John Dorsey or Bane from Batman. I'm not 100 percent sure. <laughs> I've got the volume down pretty well. It well, it didn't feel as like respiratory enough to be Bane. But I, I always get nervous. That it sounds like Bane from that Batman movie. Yeah, yeah. I was born in the darkness. <laughs> you merely adopted it. Um, but anyways, continue. <laughs> yeah, well, there you go. Um, all right. So, um, look, I, I'm not going to try and forecast where the Chiefs are going to go up and go down. So we're just going to go through. Like, okay, so the Chiefs are at 29. You and I didn't. You know, positionally, I think we're pretty close on on what you know, you're looking for, but, um, you and I both went with, you know, first round Arnold Ebiketti at number 29. Look, there's a chance he goes earlier, right? Um, there's a chance he, you know, uh, there's going to be teams that have a second round grade on him, but I think for me, it was the, it was the marriage of, um, his motor, his skill set, and his likely availability at 29 combined with the position. Cause like I said, well, I'm not going to overreach for a guy at 29. If there's a guy, even if I think he's the 33rd best player, you know, maybe he's not, I don't have a first round grade on him or something like that, but he's, he's the best available on the board. I'm going to go get him. So, uh, fair to say that was kind of the philosophy there too, that defensive end being the biggest need, he he's good enough at that spot. Oh, I mean, here, here's my philosophy on part of it. Like, I think people, and this isn't, this isn't meant for you. It's just in general. I think people sometimes get so hung up on a, a number associated with a person to where they're like, well, Hey, th- he was a 29th guy and they could have had these three other guys that, you know, were rated above them at running back in this spot. You know, if you're taking yeah, linebacker, if you're taking best player, you know, like they're going to have Kobe Dean, uh, you know, but he doesn't even fit the scheme, but you know, like there's some guys that are going to be rated higher that don't even fit the scheme or they're not really need. Like if you're taking best player available on some boards, you know, uh, hall from Iowa state, maybe the best player available. Yeah. So you're really not taking best player available, but it's just, you know, like, I mean, I feel like the impact edge rushers that the chiefs need to be able to do what they want this year. I think most of them are going to be gone by, by the end of the second round, you know, maybe early third. And so I'm thinking if you, if you need to do it now, you need to shoot your shot at 29 or 30 and like, not, not be wondering what if, you know, but I mean, when that's part where the chiefs are at draft wise, if there's a guy you got a second round grade on, it honestly really doesn't matter. Cause I mean, you're basically in the second round anyways, you're just getting a fifth year option if it works out for him. Right. So, I mean, like, you know, it, it, like to like, I mean, but if you're reaching for a guy that 
technically everybody universally in the league sees in like the fourth round, then yeah, then that's definitely starting to reach. But my thing is if it's just a round apart or if it's like 10 or 20 picks apart or whatever, whatever, at the end of the day, if they help you win a super bowl, nobody's going to care. Like, I mean, if everybody's right, Tom Brady's not taking the sixth round, you know, like he developed into who he was, you know, and I know that's a once in a lifetime thing and that doesn't happen every year. But I mean, at the end of the day, if there's a dude you believe in and and it's going to help you win a championship, guess what? You're going to shut everybody up regardless. Well, I mean, there's famous stories about Kurt Warner, right? Like, you know, yeah, sacking groceries, playing arena league, stuff like that. So, I mean, there's always going to be outliers, but I think Ebiketti's a guy who, um, you know, Frank Clark's going to be gone next year. Almost, I, I would assume at this point, I mean, the writing seems to be on the wall, even after the restructure, um, giving him a chance to come in and, and learn behind a guy like that. Um, and, uh, so you know, you can kind of timeshare there and let him give him that year to develop and work his way in. I think makes you a lot call of sense. It a timeshare. <laughs> right. Makes a lot of sense. And then you like you're going down to Lake of the Ozarks for a weekend. Uh, yeah. We timeshare it once a year, you know, you know, and then, you know, you're going to eventually need a, a lawyer to get you out of the timeshare. So you have to stop paying all those maintenance costs, but whatever, like it'll be all right. Um, at number 30, um, you stayed with defensive line. In fact, your first three picks um, are D line. So, yeah. what, <laughs> well, that that mock draft is what I would do. What what the cheat? What I think the Chiefs should do are going to be different. Right. Like, so do you, let's fix the D line now. Let's just throw it all out there. Let's do it. So that yeah, that's what you would do, right? Is so, and that's look, why I'm not a general manager. Probably. Do you think the Chiefs, if Ebiketti's there and the wide receivers are picked over and and the tackles are picked over, um, you know, do you do you see Ebiketti as as um, a, a solid option there for the Chiefs? I think in their first three picks, they got to get an edge rusher somehow. Like, I don't care who, I don't care what, but like, you got to, I feel like if you don't get two defensive linemen to help you with your pass rush in the first three rounds, like that, you're going to have a bad time going into the season. And you're going to put yourself in an even bigger corner where you're going to have to you're going to have to try to trade for somebody and it's not going to, you know, it's not going to be an ideal situation giving up some of the draft capital to get that impact guy. Cause people know you, people are going to know you don't have any flexibility. So people are going to, they're going to rake you over the coals on that one. So that's why you got to give yourself some flexibility. You're going to give yourself a, a chance and an answer. So I'll be, I'm interested to see what the chiefs I'm really interested to see what the chiefs do in the first three rounds. And if they, if they get the necessary roster impacts that they need to be able to try to keep their crown in the AFC, uh, AFC West, and even in the playoffs. So at 30, I've got the chiefs and this may be wishful thinking on my part, uh, taking, Traylon Burks, the wide receiver out of, out of Arkansas, because <laughs> his size, his speed, his ability out to the catch. I just, in my head, I, I have this vision of like Andy Reed, just giddily trying to draw plays for, to get the ball in Traylon Burks hands and let him go run over uh, players in the secondary. Um, and it makes me happy. Um, look, whether it's, um, you know, Penn state's, you know, Jahan Dotson or, uh, you know, whether, um, you know, I, like I'm not particular, I, I think that wide receiver makes sense, but I also think that they could move back. I could see them going for, uh, a Kyer Elam or a Daxton Hill, the, the cornerback out of Florida and the safety out of Michigan in that spot too. Um, depending on, you know, how they value, um, Burks and stuff like that, but you've got them going, uh, Devonte Wyatt there. Um, you know, what do you like about him and who are some other guys you think, in that 29 30 range, if it's not Abiketti or Wyatt, who, who do you like there? Um, Wyatt was kind of a, uh, on, I mean, he's got some, the reason he's going to end up potentially dropping in the draft is simply because of character concerns. So, I mean, you're kind of rolling the dice in that regard. And I had a, I personally had a first round grade on him. I think he's going to be a three tech. So at that point, you're, I took him to kind of help maintain the pass rush with Chris Jones. So like, you know, it's like, Hey, this is, we're going to maintain this part with Chris. If he, with the groin injury that he's had multiple years and with the wrist injury that he had kind of off and on, you know, I, I wanted to make sure that there was somebody else who could rotate in with him and Wharton to potentially be able to provide that, uh, provide that both short and long term. So that's why I did that just simply because of value. But I know at the time when I was putting together, I had put Elam in there originally, but I was like, man, white's too good to pass up at that spot, despite the character concerns. And then, 
you know, scene was another guy that I was kind of wrestling with and debating on to kind of potentially have him at safety. So, yeah, I mean, the Georgia, Georgia teammate, Lewis Sinner. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it's, uh, you know, it was, it was one of those things that like, I kind of, I, I wrestled with it a great deal. Um, but what I would really struggle with is if Trevor Penning from Northern Iowa, um, happens to be on the board at 29 or, you know, or 30, like, I mean, that would, that'd be a tough one for me to personally pass up as I think, I think that it could be a really good, really good right tackle, uh, down the road here. Yeah. Um, you know, moving into the second round, you and I both had him taking Josh Pascal out of Kentucky, the DN there. Um, you know, and he's a guy who, who I think, um, you know, correct me if I'm wrong, but would play where all Alex Okafor has been, right? Like he would be the other DN. He would be a complimentary piece for me. He would be, yes, he would play. He would kind of, he'd play the Ingram Okafor role. Right. So he'd be more a complimentary piece, but look, you'd, you'd have your book in D you know, uh, edge rushers in theory for four years locked up. If you go that route, um, you know, for me personally, I, I think, uh, because it's such a need, I mean, they, you know, Ingram's not on the roster, you know, Mike Dana, um, you know, is, is a okay rotational piece, but has limited pass rushing value, you know, Frank Clark, you don't know whether he's going to be healthy or how much he's going to be able to give you how much he's going to be able to be in the lineup, frankly. Um, so, Look, if the Chiefs spend two of their first three picks to to get better at getting after the quarterback, um, I'm I'm going to be perfectly fine with that. Yeah, I, I, that's why I'm not going to be upset about it because, like, I'm not kidding when it says defensive line is going to be one of the. It's it's going to be the thing that if the Chiefs come out with that draft, I, I feel like they're in good position for the foreseeable future, and especially if they come out with defensive line and secondary, I'm really excited with where they're potentially going to be at, both short and long term. But man, if they if they don't come out with pass rush and they don't come out with additional secondary help after this draft, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be really nervous about the about how things are gonna potentially go for them this year. Yeah, and look, that's why um, if if defensive tackle Travis Jones from Connecticut is still on the board at 50, I'd be fine with that. I think um, you know he like you know like you talked about with Devontae Wyatt, he's a guy he could sneak into the back end of the first round. But he's a guy who brings some interior pass rush and could play, um, you know, help out. Um, I, I think he's probably a three as well. Uh, but could, you know, could could help take some pressure off off Chris Jones, help develop behind him, maybe eventually replace him. Um, and so I think that's a good spot. You know, there's some uh, there's some safety, uh, you know, some safeties that I think could be available in that range. With the second uh, second round pick, you actually had him taken one. Jalen Petrie at a Baylor, um, you know, so, you know, like you said, I mean, that, that's a long-term need as well as replenishing that secondary after Charvarius Ward and Tyron Matthew were let go. Yeah. It'll, uh, yeah. It's all I got. Sorry. <laughs> I mean, I could see Maryland safety, Nick cross being an option option there. And look in my mock draft though, I went with uh, Jalen Tolbert out of South Alabama as a guy who, um, you know, he accelerates well, he tracks the deep ball. I'm not saying he's Tyree kill, but he has some traits that are, you know, that are similar to, to the things that, that Tyree kill brought to the table, similar ways to threaten the defense, you know, and, and a lot like Tyreek, he's the kind of guy, even if it's a short to intermediate route, um, you know, he can outrun some angles and he's a threat to take it the distance. I, I'm not projecting that he's going to be as good as Tyreek, but he can be a weapon, uh, you know, um, in that in that similar mold. And, and, um, you know, I mean, I, I think the chiefs, especially if they don't go wide receiver in those first three picks or, you know, don't move up, um, you know, Tolbert's a guy that I, I really like at 62. Yeah. I mean, with, with, with what I, with what I have with Jalen there at Baylor, I mean, he, like I said, he's a unique safety that I think would have to be accounted for the way he flies over the football field. So, I mean, I, I just liked what he was as an, as an, as an athlete and how he, how he blitzed and just, everything in that regard. I just, I was very, I was very impressed with what he could provide spark wise for the Chiefs defense for Steve Spagnuolo. Cause I'm thinking about some of the safeties and the corners, the way Steve Spagnuolo could use them and how they develop them versus kind of what, you know, other teams would do with them. So, I mean, that's, that's why I went with him, but I mean, I'm not going to be upset, you know, as long as the Chiefs, like I said, as long as the Chiefs are able to get defensive line, get an additional receiver and get, get corner help and, I'm 
I'll be comfortable, you know, I'll be comfortable with where they end up at, especially with that many picks. Yeah. And moving into the third round, you and I both have them taking a corner at 94. Um, you went Kobe Bryant, Cincinnati. I went, um, Elante Taylor out of Tennessee. Um, you know, but I mean, I think, look, I think the, the common denominator there is athleticism, right? Like young athletic, um, you know, guys that, that, um, you know, it, in both cases, um, you know, they're, they're guys who, um, are physical or aggressive and, and, you know, are scheme versatile. Yeah. I think the, the third round, I think is kind of where the sweet spot's going to be for both receiver and corner. And that's where I think like if the chiefs, depending on when the wide receiver run begins, like if that begins in the first round, if that begins, you know, 10 and, kind of where that wide receiver run begins like that, that'll, that'll determine a lot, but I think there's still quality receivers that fit the scheme, you know, late in the second round. I think there's still receivers that can fit. There's a couple, I think in the third round, a couple in the fourth and a couple in the fifth that I personally like. And then there's some guys that I think could be really strong slot receivers for them kind of in the kind of sixth and seventh round. So, I mean, there's, there's promise across the board there, but um so what is it you liked about Eric as a comma at a Texas tech? He's not a guy that a lot of people I don't think have third round grade on, but he's one of those, you know, he's a slot guy. I think that, um, or maybe not a slot, but, uh, you know, he's a guy that, ha- you know, kind of like Jalen Tolbert game breaking ability. Well, I mean, with him, it's just, his, it's his science. Cause you remember, I kind of, what I liked about Mike Williams and what he could bring. I, I think Eric brings a lot of that to that possibility. I mean, I have, I had a fourth round grade on him, but I knew, if the chiefs waited, I didn't think that they would be able to get him in the fourth round. I think they'd have to get him into third just to not take that chance. And, and so, I mean, for me personally, that's kind of more of a, I have the opportunity to shoot the shot now. So I'm going to type of thing versus, you know, what may quote unquote be the actual board when reality hits. Cause I was wrestling with him and Thornton from Baylor whenever I was putting that mock draft together, because I, I really like Thornton from Baylor too. And I think he gives them some good speed, but I was trying to balance, you know, what I wanted, uh, one player I really liked inside with Slade Bolton that I ended up taking later on and kind of having an outside kind of possession receiver. So that's why, that's why I chose Eric personally, but I wouldn't be upset if they, if they got Thornton from Baylor in that range either. Yeah. And for me, I went, um, yeah, I went Damari Mathis out of Pittsburgh, um, who he's a guy that you mocked him in the fourth round at 121. I mocked him in the back into the third round, the, the pick they got for Ryan Poles. Uh, but again, I mean, like you said, this is a sweet spot for, you know, wide receivers, secondary players, stuff like that. You know, when I was putting it together, I hadn't really addressed the secondary in the first couple rounds, but I wasn't too worried because I knew that you had guys like Alante Taylor, guys like Kobe Bryant, guys like mm-hmm. Damari Mathis. that are sitting there in the likely sitting there in the third round that I think, can, can play, can bring a physical edge, can bring some versatility, um, you know, and can really help that defense. And I, and um, I think the chiefs like guys that they, that are high athletes that they can develop. It seems like that's kind of what they gravitate towards more. And they have confidence in their coaching staff to be, be able to develop those guys that have flaws that other teams aren't willing to deal with, but the chiefs can chiefs can coach it out of them. Well, and that's, you look at Legereus Sneed was a fourth round pick. Rashad Fenton was a sixth round pick. They have a history of turning these mid to late round guys into um, not only valuable uh, and serviceable players, but, um, you know, Pro Bowl caliber, um, you know, um, you know, elite level players at, at their position. I mean, you think about what Legereus Sneed and Rashad Fenton have done the last couple of years from the slot and then Fenton moving outside last year. Um, you know, they've, you know, they, they've far outperformed their draft position. Um, and so, um, it's, it's not far-fetched to think that the chiefs, because they have that track record can, can get away with it. Um, you know, um, I, you know, I also think that this could be a spot where, um, you know, the chiefs look for, um, either, you know, a a potential swing tackle or somebody who might be able to um, challenge Wiley, push Wiley at camp for the starting right tackle job. Cause it sounds like Lucas Niang, the most optimistic projection would be that he's, he's back and getting after it toward the end of training camp. So it's not impossible for me to, you know, to, to think that, 
in fact, I would be, if I was a bet man, I would say the chiefs absolutely will look at uh, tackle people or tackle prospects, um, you know, here in those middle rounds. Um, you know, I mean, there, there's guys like, we, look, you're going to have flawed guys. Like I think Kellen D out of Arizona state. There's a chance he slides here. Um, Southern Utah's Braxton Jones, I think are possibilities in this range. Um, but I mean, this is, I, w- I don't want to call it a luxury pick, but here's a pick where I think you can look for athletic guys who have some traits that you really like that you think you can develop. And this is where you take a chance, roll the dice and hope that your coaching staff can get the most of them and they can become, um, if not a starter, at least a very valuable reserve for you. Yeah. And that's, that's pretty much the whole fourth through seventh round becomes on day three is that's, that's where like even Brett V said in his press conference and he's hundred percent right. It's like, he's done it for more than a decade in various forms or something. Um, but that's when the boards go drastically different and people get upset and they're like, I can't believe he took this guy in the fourth round when he's like a six in this, in the scouting report that I bought. And it's like, well, like there's traits that everybody's going to value differently yeah. on day three. So yeah, no, you're not going to, not going to know a lot of the guys at that point. So yeah, I mean, like <clears throat> for me, like example with the, the, with the guy I took there in the fourth John Ridgeway from Arkansas, like he's not insanely athletic. Yeah, you probably got a D plus from PFF for that pick. <laughs> oh, I'm sure I did <laughs> because you know their their board, you know, is accounted for the chief scheme and everything. Yes. Um, but no, I mean, like, but with like Ridgeway there, like, I mean, for me personally, like, that's he's he's a strong, stout guy. He's really strong, and just like Mike Devito, man. And whenever I saw that, I was like, dude, he is strong like Devito and Alan Bailey. Like that'd be that'd be a heck of a compliment there at the one tech to kind of have him drive defenders back in the pocket, you know, drive offensive linemen back in the quarterback's lap. So Chris Jones, you know, can do what he needs to, especially with just how, how strong his bull rush was. So, I mean, I know some, some people have, probably have him lower and everything because he didn't have certain athletic ability, but the type of strength that that dude has and just kind of the hands that he had to be able to get the pop that he did. I was like, dude, I was like, that's tough for me to pass up there. Cause well, I, and- that that because I know the mocks the, the mock simulators I was doing they I was gonna wait till the fifth and then like they just kept having the Cowboys take him over and over again I was like all right I'm gonna beat you this time Cowboys <laughs> well that's the thing like um you know I mean I'm not sure that you know, his lateral quickness or his you know cone drill or something like that is gonna be a big factor if the Chiefs bring him in as a one technique right to, uh, you know to timeshare with. Uh, Derek naughty, since you like that term so much, <laughs> I do, I do. So, uh, um, rotation, it's a timeshare. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, look, I'm going to throw out two more names. Um, you know, cause in, in my mock draft, um, um, I, I had him taken, he's listed as a linebacker, someplace of safety in their place, Jojo Dominat in Nebraska. Um, the reason I like him is look, um, you know, Willie gay, I think can, can play weak or strong side for you. Um, you know, and, and I think Nick Bolton moving to the middle is, you know, one, he's not going to be exposed in coverage as much. And he, he has the potential to be a, a dominant guy from the middle, but you still need somebody to play the other outside linebacker spot. You still need someone who's going to take up, uh, you know, some, some of the roles that Tyron Matthew and or Daniel Sorensen and or Ben Neiman took in coverage. And I think Doman is the kind of athlete who's got the cover skills to, to play in space. Um, you know, more of a sub package guy, but I think he'd be a great compliment um, and, and add a lot of athleticism and speed to a linebacker group that I think is becoming, you know, if you add a guy like that in one of the best in the, in the NFL, because I mean, the, that linebacker group is kind of transitioning. You need, speed guys, you need instinct, you need, you know, um, guys who can get sideline to sideline and, and you add somebody like that. I think there's a lot of value in the fourth round for a guy like Doman, um, who's kind of a, a tweener, um, you know, and maybe he can become what fans always wanted Dorian O'Daniel to become. And if nothing else, I think with his, with his speed and his athleticism, he can be a special teams guy for you, uh, as he develops into a guy you can use in sub packages and, or, if they go with San Diego State uh, punter Matt Ariza, uh, I'm going to be perfectly fine with that too. Yeah, for people that don't know why Todd's bringing up a punter, <laughs> um, you should just go look at his punts. Like some of them are uh, 80 plus yards. And, yeah, dude, he's ridiculous, man. Yeah, he's there's chatter he might go in the second round, but uh, I mean, uh, unless that. unless unless the Raiders are going to do it. Um, well, I mean, Coco was a third rounder, right? So um, yeah, but that was Dick Vermeil and like. Right. He, 
Dick Vermeule could get away with that type of stuff. Right, right. Especially but back look, in that era. I mean, look, if you bring in a guy and solve a problem for the next 15 years, like I remember having this conversation with Adam Teicher, Teicher at the time in the press box. We were talking about drafting a punter in the third round. And if you remember the years they had with Jason Baker and guys like that, and just all the trouble they were having, just getting punts off. Uh, I mean, it cost them a game against the bills, I think, or, or maybe it didn't cost them, but it certainly made that game far worse. And um, Jason Baker actually ripped my head off in the locker room when I was asking him about it post game, but it was a huge topic of conversation. Um, Dick Vermeil drafted him if for no other reason than to, so that he wouldn't have to answer questions about punter uh, for the rest of his tenure as the chief's head coach. And he didn't because Dustin Colquitt came and locked that job down. I haven't been all that impressed with Tommy Townsend. Um, I'm not advocating that they use a draft pick necessarily for it, but if they did, I'd understand it and I'd be fine with it. As long as it's that specific punter. Sure. <laughs> yes. Yeah. No, no, no. Yeah, no, it's gotta be like a, a like a, generational type ridiculous freak of a dude but they could punt at 86 yards right ariza is that guy so <laughs> i'm like i'm talking like pure punt i'm not talking like it, you know it's 50 yards and it bounces 20 like yeah no he hit he hit 80 on that one without a problem yeah he no five more it, yards because of how intense that punt was it's insane and i love how like what i, I was reading because uh, when i was looking at some of the drafts and seeing that they had this guy that was like in the dustin colquitt range you'll have you'll understand uh, in terms of where they was on draft boards, I, I was understandably intrigued, right? Um, so I go read some of the scouting reports and they're like, has a tendency to outkick his coverage and his hang time leaves something to be desired. And I was like, you have lost your mind. If that dude can kick at 80, I'm taking it every time. So would Dave Tubb, man. I, you know who didn't write that report? Dave Tubb. I know that for a fact. He's not, he's not caring about like, kicking your coverage on that. I was like, wow, you have, you have wasted my time, sir. <laughs> and I mean, if that's, if that's going to be the case, guess what teams are going to have to do if it's quote unquote, out kicking the coverage in that regard. Um, they're going to have to put their blockers about 20 yards back from where they would normally be at the line of scrimmage. Oh yeah. So then you could run fake punts left and right. So I, I mean, say, you're out, he's basically out kicking everybody, including the blocking. So we'll, like bump, bump your brakes. To that ridiculous. We'll all be wondering, we'll be like, why is the punter working out as the fourth quarterback in training camp? And then <laughs> every fourth down when they just go for it on a fake point, Oh, there's, there's a lot. <laughs> That's why. So see Todd, we've shocked ourselves into a fourth round pick. on That's the right. Make, make it happen. Brett beach. <laughs> This has to happen now. Um, not, only, not only will they have greatness at quarterback, it'll also be a right. punter. You know what? Forget Josh people, Pascal. People will get pumped. Uh, people will get pumped if, <laughs> if like the Chiefs' offense, you know, has a bad series. I'm like, all right, we get to see the punter. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Forget. It. I don't want Josh Pascal at 50 anymore. I want. I want Matt Horizon in the second round. Um, all right. Hey, quickly, if you want to go through some seventh round guys, like these are going to be all over the board because, like you said, some of the guys I name, like. One of them, you have, you know, you had a fourth round grade and ended up taking him in the third round. You know, some of these guys, you know, another team might have a fifth round grade on them and, and they're going to be long gone. But who are some guys that intrigue you in that range that you're kind of hoping will still be there and the Chiefs can snag? Yeah, I mean, like in my mind, I, I was hoping DeMarco Johnson from Appalachia State will be there. I just, I just love the way that dude plays. I mean, at worst case, he'd be an awesome special teams player. At best case, he may become a starter at some point, but I, I don't know if he's going to be there in the seventh. I mean, Slade Bolden I had from Alabama. Like, I mean, I think the Patriots are going to break my heart and take him probably like the fifth round or something yeah, like that. Yeah, back into so the I'm just, I'm just expecting him to go with his buddy, Mac Jones to new England. So, I mean, I, but for now I can dream. Uh, and then, you know, and then I think there's going to be some quality tackle prospects. Like I took, Ryan, Ryan Vandermark from UConn. I think he's a good for, you know, project tackle. He's a guy I consider there. Yep. And then like Garrett, uh, Garrett Prince, I, I got from UAB kid from Shawnee mission Northwest. I mean, he's got, he's got a lot of Kelsey size and athletic ability to him. There's a lot they're going to have to work on, uh, work on with them route running wise, but there's no other kid I would like to learn from Travis Kelsey more so in this upcoming draft than, then Prince being the local story too is just an added bonus. I know the chiefs don't need a tight end, but if you can get that kid in the sixth or seventh round, I mean, like that's not, that's not a bad thing. So, I mean, don't, you know, like, I mean, I know they have Jody Fortson. I know they got Travis Kelsey. I know they got Blake bell. I know they got, you know, no Noah gray. gray and everything, but I mean, like, Hey, you know, well, injuries happen, man. You got to be prepared no matter what. So, I mean, if they take a flyer in the seventh round, I mean, it's not, I'm not, it's not the, you know, it's not for me, it's not frustrating, but there's, 
like I really like uh, Matt Hennison from Wisconsin. I think he's going to end up going like the six, the sixth round. So like, if I couldn't get John Ridgeway, like I mean, you know, like Jaden Peavy from the fifth round or Matt Hennison from the sixth round, like those are guys that I would really love to have. There's going to be some, there's going to be some, you know, there's going to be a good edge rusher or two there late that's kind of more developmental. And then like, there's some, like I said, there's some slot receivers that I really like, like Jared Cerns from Western Kentucky. Like that would be a guy I'd take a flyer on, you know. And there's um, there's going to be a lot of running backs available. You know, I know uh, Veach brought it up. Like, there's there's going to be a lot of running backs available there in that fifth through seventh round that are going to get taken there. And unfortunately, if the if the chief, if this is why the Chiefs had to avoid taking a running back in the draft that late. They're going to be like, well, then why did we take Clyde in the first? You know, so then yeah. that'll that's why the Chiefs can't take a running back simply because that'll be what they'll uh, what they'll get a lot of questions about. But yeah, there's some there's some developmental tackles on day three that I like. There's a lot of uh, a lot of corners available that I think that the Chiefs could probably take late that are going to be uh, that are, you know that because like the seventh round for the most part, what you're doing there is you're just getting guys who you you in all honesty some of them you may be getting cheaper than signing them as a priority free agent. Some people call it an undrafted free agent, but you know there's a, you can give them bigger bonuses than what they end up getting as a sixth or seventh round pick. So you kind of there's that opportunity with uh, with some of those players and like for the Chiefs last year there was a team that was trying to that was going to try to sign Trey Smith as an undrafted free agent um and you know guess what happened like the Chiefs took him in the 6 cuz they knew they weren't going to be able to match what that team was potentially offering you know they weren't going to take the chance that they weren't going to match what that team was offering so they ended up taking uh Trey Smith there in the sixth round. Otherwise, you know, there's a chance he may have been a Jacksonville Jaguar. Um, so thankfully that didn't happen. But I mean, you know, those are, those are the things that Chiefs are going to have to wrestle with. So whenever you have those four seventh round picks right now and people think they're throwaways, it's actually kind of that of, that keeps them from having to take it, you know, from having to have a bidding war with a team for an undrafted free agent. So it's kind of cost control in that regard, depending on how many of them they have at that point. Right. And I mean, they may not have all four, but you know, I had guys like Virginia tech cornerback, Jermaine Waller, who um, he's got good length. Um, you know um, he's more of a developmental corner, but um, you know, smoke Monday, the safety out of Auburn, depending on who you look at. I mean, some people like him as a fifth or sixth round guy. Some people have him, um, you know, sliding um, toward the seventh round. And, you know, if he's there, um, you know, again, if nothing else, he could replace our money Watts, uh, you know, on the special teams and, and provide, you know, replenish, um, some of the depth there. You know, like I said, I had, I had as a comma, um, you know, Ryan Vandemark is a guy that I considered, but ultimately with two fifty nine, I went with defensive end Trey Williams from Arkansas, which as you mentioned, some of those guys, whether it's health, uh, you know, or character concerns, sometimes guys slide and Trey Williams is a guy who, uh, you know, look, if you're a Mizzou fan, you know, he, you know, he had uh, some issues, some off the field issues, stuff like that. Um, you know, maybe that pushes him down. Maybe that pushes him completely off the chiefs board. Certainly it probably will some guys, but the interviews, the reports from, from Razorbacks coaches, things like that. I mean, if they all check out and everything's sound, you could do worse than a late round flyer and a guy like that who could develop into a solid rotational pass rush piece for you, uh, down the road. So um, you know, those are the kind of things you'll be looking at it, you know, is, is different situations like that. But bottom line is if the chiefs can get out of, you know, let's say they make 10 picks, if they can get four or five long-term starters and a couple quality special teams, guys, uh, I think they're going to be set up and that window is going to open wide for them the next couple of years, especially when you look at the salary cap situations of some of the other competitors uh, in the AFC um, and, you know, in the contract situations, they're going to find themselves in, in a year or two. Um, you know, I mean, we, you know, we already saw, I mean, the Buffalo bills, they're getting limited. They, they made the choice to resign Stefan Diggs, Right. I mean, but that's all gonna, when Josh Allen's money starts hitting that books and stuff like that, just like with Patrick Mahomes, you're going to have to start making more and more choices. And, um, you know, the chiefs made their choice with Tyreek Hill, trade him away for five draft picks. And now's when that decision has to pay off. Um, for it to be considered a good decision. Yeah. Or, you know, if not, you know, I'm not trying to put this out in the universe or if an injury occurs, like, you know, and that's something that didn't allow him to be the same player he was before like that, that could be another, 
you know, like the, I think that trade will be viewed differently in that regard. Yeah. And that's, I mean, definitely will, whether that's fair or not, it's hard to say because I mean, obviously the chiefs have, you know, probably more access to his medical records and stuff like that. But I mean, some of that comes down to just bad luck, you know, I mean, like Tyreek Hill missed time after breaking his collarbone in the you know, first game of the season, a couple of years ago, when he got landed on awkwardly on the sideline, I, I don't know that that speaks to him being <laughs> brittle or injury prone, prone as a player or anything like that. It's just a bad situation. And as I recall, he came back insanely fast from that too, and ended up, you know, having a pretty productive year. So, yeah, but there are certain ligaments in your legs that you definitely need to, to uh, kind of be one of the fastest players that can right. Stop if you're going to maintain that, yeah, if you're going to maintain that speed for sure, for sure, for sure, for sure. All right. Anything else you want to add about the draft? Good, sir. Um, I think we've covered everything that the fans would probably want to know from a chiefs perspective, but I mean, I think there's going to be a lot of options available for them at 29 or 30 that they're going to have to kind of weigh between like, Hey, this guy fell to us at 29 or we want to trade back and give ourselves additional picks there in the second round. But I kind of think as long as, as long as the chiefs can, can hit on the, or at least get some guys in the position that'll provide some quality of their roster there in the first three rounds with the number that they have, then I'll, I'll like where they're at. I mean, I, I think, I think they'll have to, uh, if they were to hypothetically trade up for, um, you know, for like Jameson Williams or, or Jeremiah Johnson type of type of player, I, I think that there would be, there, they would have to justify it to a certain extent, especially with Williams, with, uh, with his, him coming off the ACL issue and probably not being available to middle of the year. I, I think there would probably be some frustrated fans of that. And they'd be like, well, why did we, why did we trade Tyreek Hill then? If that's, if that's what we're doing here. But, you know, at the, at the end of the day, I mean, the Chiefs, if they can get, like you said, if they can get four impact guys that can really kind of help them take that next level on the roster that they need to go to to start a new window, like that, that's going to be key. I mean, I would, I would love, you know, 12, but. <laughs> What you mean, 12 picks or 12, 12 starters? 12, yeah, 12, 12, oh, yeah, 12 full time starters. Yeah, uh, but that's yeah, no, I think every GM would. That's probably not realistic, but yeah, I mean, if there's good news, Veach has a pretty good history rounds two through four. Um, and there seems to be some value in, in those rounds. Um, and so I, I like the Chiefs' chances of getting some guys who can come in and make an instant impact. Um, you know, and I think it can be hard for offensive linemen. Having said that, the Chiefs did it last year with two of them, um, you know, Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith. But, um, I mean, like I consider last year's draft a success because they got three starters out of it, um, and, you know. And, and it, you know, we'll see if those, you know, obviously the the, the book has not been written on, on that draft yet. But I would already consider it a, a, a success just because of the, you know, I, I think Noah Gray, you know, ha, has – you know, has some potential to develop into, um, you know, maybe, you know, maybe not a starter, but, a, you know, a valuable piece, you know, a, a, a guy on the roster that can do more than just play special teams for you. Um, you know, I mean, I would hope with 12 picks, the chiefs can get a little bit more of a haul, but yeah, I mean, they're, they're well positioned where they move up or move down. Do you expect runs on defensive end and wide receiver. Are those the two positions that you think are going to be most picked over by the chiefs by the time the chiefs get on the clock? If they don't, if they stand pat at 29, 30, I'm, I'm very curious to see uh, receiver wise when it starts hitting, if it hits at the Falcons spot, which I believe is eighth overall. Um, if it hits it, yeah. If it hits at the Falcon spot at eight, or does it start at 10 with the jets or does it go a little bit further down? to the saints at 16 when receivers start coming off the board and peeling off that's when i'll i'm, I'm going to be really curious like how things go at that point but from a from a pass rushing perspective i'm i'm mentally preparing for three to already be gone by the top 10 so then at that point i think there's going to be a little bit of a lull maybe but then again there may be some teams that just start you know just start reaching overall to where you know, I mean, maybe somebody that was going to wait for Carl Loftus, maybe later on, they decide to be aggressive and take him in the middle of the middle twenties type of thing, or, or Drake Jackson, you know, maybe that's another guy that somebody tries to, you know, tries to move up the board in some regard to be able to do, but 
And this is where I think like the, the Achilles injury of David Ajaba, I think that really kind of altered a lot of things because I mean, I, I moved him from a first, you know, into the first round into like basically a low second round personally. And he may end up going in the third because of the Achilles. So it'll, it'll be interesting to see what, uh, what ends up happening. But yeah, no, I think, I think, I think being able to cover um, receivers, have receivers or have pass rushers who can get to the quarterback. Like, I think those are, those are, those are the high priorities these days. So that's, what's going to push. I think it's going to push running backs and tight ends down and, you know, so, and, and linebackers, I think linebackers is going to start getting devalued to a certain extent. So it'll, uh, I don't know. I'm really curious to see what the theme of this first round is going to be and what we'll be talking about that Thursday night. Yeah, and we'll know by what eleven o'clock on Thursday. <laughs> I mean, we won't have the podcast by then, but yeah, no, we should have a pretty good idea how things are going. <laughs> so, all right. Well, hey, I got nothing else. Um, so, with that, I guess uh, unless you got something else, I'll just say take care, kids. I don't, Todd. You're. I'm supposed to say bid you adieu, and then you say take care, kids, just so we can, so you can have the final word. But you wrecked it, Todd. Take care, kids. <laughs>